I've never been in this spot, and I'm not going to act like I, I know what the hell I'm going to do tomorrow when, when they when they get in here. So um, we're going to we're going to we're going to do what we always do. We're going to represent the Packers the right way. I, I know that. So other than that, we'll we'll focus on what's in front of us. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. There were the last words ever. From Mike McCarthy as a Green Bay Packers head coach. That last night saying, hey, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do when I get in tomorrow. Of course, there would end up being no tomorrow, as in no today for Mike McCarthy. Joe Philbin now scoots in as the interim head coach, and Mike McCarthy is unemployed. I'm, I'm not going to lie, I was shocked. I was 100% shocked. Not because I'm familiar with the inner workings and the front office of the Green Bay Packers. I'm not an insider. I don't know anybody who works at 1265 Lombardi. But what I do know is what I've heard from the people who are familiar with what's going on inside 1265 Lombardi. The people who are the beat writers for the Packers. The insiders. The people who do Packers work and publications. The media. The beat as a whole. And then also, a hundred years of history to go along with it. Really weren't suggesting that the Packers were going to pull the trigger and actually fire coach Mike McCarthy before the end of the season. Nobody was saying that. And they, uh, well, they shocked everyone last night. And to think that that it was that crazy to fire Mike McCarthy with a handful of games left in the season, especially if you've been a Packers fan for a while now, as in 20-plus years, maybe even 30, 40-plus years, you would know that this this isn't normal. This isn't what they do. This is actually the first time since 1953, of, at least according to PackersNews.com, where I read the, the summary article because I thought it m- might be the first time in the 100-year history of the Green Bay Packers because I thought I might have heard that somewhere yesterday. Turns out once, in 1953, they fired a coach... Uh, a couple games into the season. That's it. 1953. The only other time that Green Bay, in their 100-year history, which of course is being celebrated and commemorated this year, has been marked by a premature firing or a midseason firing of an NFL head coach. And to make it even crazier, now let's look at the entire NFL. This is the first time since 1972 a Super Bowl winning coach was not allowed to finish the season with the team they won that Lombardi Trophy for. I hadn't heard of either one of the coaches. In fact, the the last head coach who won a Super Bowl who was let go by that team before being able to finish the season was when the Colts were in Baltimore. <laughs> so there's a little context for you. Naturally, a lot of reaction, a lot of feelings, a lot of emotion. Uh, and, and I think that was only compounded by the fact that it was so surprising. And that's what we're talking about here today on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You can get in touch with the program, 608-796-2558 on the five-star telecom talking text line. And I'm I'm hoping, hopefully that's not wishful thinking. I'm almost expecting that 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 you guys are going to have something to say about this today. Because I was ready, to, I was planning my show last night. You know, all right, great, we got this, this, this. And then I sit down on the couch for Sunday night football, and I was stunned when I went on Twitter and noticed that the backers had announced they were relieving Mike McCarthy of his duties, not because it wasn't deserved. That. As, as Clint Eastwood once said, deserves got nothing to do with it, okay? D- the deserving part isn't what stunned me, because if I ever thought there was a time or an instance in which Mike McCarthy or any Green Bay Packers head coach should be fired midseason, yesterday was it, and more on that in a moment. I wasn't stunned because of what I saw on the field yesterday. I was stunned because 
I've been hearing for weeks now, and I've been reading for weeks, yeah, Mike McCarthy's time is, is probably come, but it's not going to come until the end of the season. No way they cut bait with Mike McCarthy midseason, before uh, this, this regular season, this 17-week stretch has time to conclude itself. And I was stunned to learn that the exact opposite last night happened. And like I said, d- Deserve's got nothing to do with it. Mike McCarthy, if there was ever a loss that deserved to get a head coach fired that I've seen in my lifetime, yesterday was it. I'm not going to talk about the box score. I'm not going to talk about the... I don't even remember what the what the margin was. Was it 20 to 17, 24 to 17, something like that? Well, it would have been... The field goal would have been to tie. So 20 to 17. I don't care. I don't care what the final score was. I don't care that Mason Crosby missed that final field goal. There's bigger fish to fry here on the Wisco Sports Show today. Yesterday was... It put it on film on why the Packers need to strip this thing down to the studs on offense. And that starts with eventually finding your new head coach. And and because Mike McCarthy is the offensive head coach, the only way you can strip an offense down to the studs is by finding, A, an, another head coach, or another head coach and an offensive coordinator, depending on, on what kind of head coach you want to hire. Yesterday was made it perfectly clear to me, as if we needed one more example. And I'm not talking about the dumb things that happen at the end of games. I'm not talking about the penalties. I'm talking about the overarching Scheme and the overarching picture, if you were to take snapshots of a Packers offense and why it wasn't working this year, yesterday's game was a perfect example. Not only because Arizona has a brutally bad defense, one of the poorest in the NFL, not because you were at home. And you know what? The Arizona Cardinals, as long as they've been in Arizona, I learned this today, have never won in the state of Wisconsin. Ever. Ever. And you let the team from the desert, who plays in a dome... The 2-9 and nine team from the desert to boot come up and beat you on your home turf in weather that was advantageous to you. Look, like I said, forget about the interception, or the dropped interception, I should say, by, what well, his last name was Pleasant. I don't, even, I don't even care what his first name is. That was Yesterday was the first time I had heard of him, and I'd like to think I keep pretty good tabs on who's, you know, sneaking on and off the roster. Forget about the dropped interception. Forget about the missed field goal. Forget about the playoff picture. Forget about everything. What that Green Bay Packers offense did yesterday should offend people. And I don't mean offend in a literal sense. But as football fans, you should feel uncomfortable. You should not be proud to have watched that. And more so, Aaron Rodgers should be embarrassed that that game is on film. And we'll talk about that more coming up later on in the show as we kind of dig deeper into all of the different wrinkles of this Mike McCarthy firing, which happened yesterday. This Green Bay Packers offense, you know, we hear it's not innovative. It's not creative. It's not new. It's been the same thing for years, and that might be true. That that might be true. That being said, this offense, if you can execute, and Aaron Rodgers is playing A-plus ball, which we've seen in stretches we haven't seen this year, it can be really, really good still. It can be really good. I mean, go back to 2016, that run that they put together at the end of the season to make it all the way to the NFC Championship game, basically on the back of Aaron Rodgers and whoever he was throwing the ball to. Go back to 2015, the playoff run where, where they lost to Arizona. Aaron Rodgers was doing it all. The offense was was working. Now it was unbalanced. It was mostly through Aaron Rodgers, but it worked because Aaron Rodgers had guys he trusted, like Jordy Nelson, like Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, obviously last year. They don't have that this year. And for an offense that predicates itself on chemistry and trust and timing, like on back shoulder throws, like those passes around the boundaries because they hate using the middle of the field, if there was ever a time to change up from the norm, to evolve, to do something else. It was yesterday. 
because, or for most of the season, let's say, because you were without Randall Cobb for a good portion of the season, which is super high on Aaron Rodgers' trust list. I, I hate that. I've talked about that so far, but you know he has trust with Devontae Adams. After that, not much. Take Jerron Miles and take Randall Cobb out of the situation. He's throwing to Jimmy Graham, who's in his first year here, and he's throwing to a bunch of rookies. So trust and chemistry and timing, it's not there. And I think that's been a big part on why they haven't been able to convert is because this offense is so much based on the receivers and Aaron Rodgers almost having a mental connection on knowing where the receivers are supposed to be and going to be and putting the ball in a precise window, which, when it's working and you have the personnel to do it, is nearly unstoppable. But it hasn't been unstoppable because he's been throwing to rookies yesterday on bad footing. And and you are running an offense that's predicated on being in exactly the right place at exactly the right time. Most of the time, not even looking back at the quarterback on bad footing with rookies who are just trying to find their way on this team. Yesterday would have been the ultimate time to say, hey, all we need to do is run the football, maybe mix in some screen plays, some sweet plays. And let's work the middle of the field. Let's run some slant plays. We saw one on third down yesterday in the fourth quarter, one of their only conversions yesterday on third down, but they didn't. They spent the whole game banging their head into a wall, trying to somehow get Aaron Rodgers and Marquez Valdez-Scantling on the same page. I like Valdez-Scantling. I think he's going to be a good receiver. But it's a tall order to say, hey, here, on slushy footing, get on the same page with Aaron Rodgers and be in the exact square inch you're supposed to be, or our offense is going nowhere. That's why yesterday was so bad. And it wasn't just losing to the Cardinals. It was how they lost to the Cardinals. It was the same offensive ineptitudes and mistakes and shortcomings that we've seen all season long. But at home against the 2-9 and nine Cardinals team, a franchise that has never won in Green Bay as long as they have the name Cardinals, that was, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. I don't know if, if Mark Murphy intended to hold on to Mike McCarthy throughout the rest of the season. And that changed yesterday. He was asked about that at his press conference uh, earlier this afternoon. I don't know if that was the case. But yesterday, everyone involved with that game should be embarrassed that that happened yesterday at Lambeau Field. Everyone should be embarrassed. We're going to continue this chatter about Mike McCarthy. And, and like I said, for the rest of the, for the, rest of the, uh, the show, deserve, deserve's got nothing to do with it. Whether Mike McCarthy deserved to be fired or not. I mean, you, you watch that game. If there was ever a game that led to somebody getting fired, that, that was the type of game right there. Deserves got nothing to do with it. And we'll talk more about that uh, as well as some possible replacements. It's it's really early. And I've been trying to sit down and, and stomach and stew on some possible replacements for Mike McCarthy. And it's really tough because the names are are in different categories, whether they're in college, as coordinators, as other head coaches, as other you know defensive coordinators. It's you're picking from a lot of different trees. And we'll try to digest that coming up next. I want to hear from you as well. 608-796-2558 on the Five Star Telecom Talking Text Line. If you are active on Twitter as well, which you should be, it's the best way to enjoy uh, most parts of this show. You can follow me at Keystroker Grant, and you should follow the station at WKTY. You can tweet at either one of those accounts. I will see it, and we can discuss it on air. Coming up next, we're talking talking about the gritty details yesterday, including what Mark Murphy had to say, and maybe where the Packers go from here. I do want to get back into Aaron Rodgers. I do want to get back into some of the whys and the hows of yesterday. But but I, I want to take a break and we'll talk about maybe who's coming into Green Bay next and who is going to be the next head coach of the 13-time world champion, 100-year history Green Bay Packers. That up next and more here on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. I am your host, Grant Bills. We're talking Mike McCarthy. 
or the lack of Mike McCarthy? Why don't I say? And uh, getting your reactions on the Five Star Telecom talk and text line as well. We'll go to John here in just a moment. I, I do have some questions and some thoughts. Look, it, at a time like this, every analyst has got a different take. Right, Every radio, TV, writer, no matter what, has different words and, and different thoughts on where the Packers will go next. And if you want it all in one place, WK2iSports.com is a great place. Um, our website guy was just talking to him. Rick does a terrific job. Um, some stories and some sound bites for what people were saying earlier today. So go check out what Rick has up at our website. Uh, it's a really good place to find all of that material in one place uh, and compare and contrast what everybody's having to say as well. So with that being said, let's, uh, let's hear... One other person's opinion other than me. We'll go to the five-star telecom talk and text line. John has got some questions about Aaron Rodgers. John, I loved what you were saying. Let's keep this conversation going. What do you got? All right. Well, I, I was pointing out that uh, every talk show that I've listened to this morning is uh, has been pointing out or using the phrase that the entire team, the entire Green Bay team didn't show up to play uh, yesterday. Uh, the whole team should be embarrassed. And... I guess I'm just not seeing that. I don't know if I'm the only one who doesn't see it. The game I saw, I saw a defense that played pretty darn good. Uh, they held, uh, I mean, Arizona was held to almost field goals. Yeah. Except for, you know, uh, it, was a, it was a good defensive game. I saw a Green Bay running game that went through uh, and had some pretty nice runs on it. The only person I actually saw that did not show up to the game was number 12. What I saw was a lot of bad throws into the dirt. Uh, you could say that there was drop passes, but even the passes that Rodgers did connect with were off target. He did not throw one pass I saw, except for except for one nice one up the sideline uh, for a gain, I think it was of 23 or so, that that was a nice pass. But other than that, I felt like the pass to Devontae Adams, the touchdown pass, uh, you know, 10-yard pass, and Adams is having to jump up in the air for it. I saw passes up the middle. Uh, why would Randall Cobb have to, was a 5- to 7-yard pass, and Randall Cobb has to dive for it? I just, I just didn't see Rodgers showing up to the game. What I did see was bad passes on his part and blaming people. Uh, case in point, up the side, I think it was Adams again. Yeah. To where Rodgers actually threw it out of bounds, uh, five yards in front of Adams, and then when Adams is trotting back, Rodgers is there pointing at his eyes, telling uh, you know, chewing Adams out for not catching it. No, uh, John Aaron Rodgers was tough to watch yesterday. I want to ask you about one more thing. You talked about the the missed throws, and and you know he does have a tendency to get on the case of his wide receivers. One other thing I noticed, and I don't know if you saw this too, was body language yesterday. He he. It almost looked like he was playing a preseason game. They're they're trailing Arizona at home. Oh. Why doesn't he want to compete? Why doesn't he want to play for his head coach? He was laughing and smiling right up to the very end. I, did that catch you at all yesterday? Absolutely. Actually, I was just uh, uh, he, uh, my wife uh, saw me get pretty irate yeah. uh, when uh, the bomb Aaron Rodgers threw and just uh, on uh, I think it was third and seven or. And and Rogers just sent it sailing out behind the end zone, and then he got up and he's just joking and laughing about it. Uh, I saw the entire game. Rogers just seemed nonchalant, and I've seen that increasingly over the season. Um, it's something that I've mentioned on with uh, somebody, uh, Dave and Scrady, a few times that we've talked about this in length last week. Yeah, 
on to where it's almost like Rogers. Uh, actually, my quote this morning was that, I, that Rogers uh, has become a, a poison to the team in character and lackluster in talent. Yeah, and John, I, I'm I'm going to agree with you, and, and thank you. <laughs> Those are really great points, John. Thank you. And I I'm, was going to get to Aaron Rodgers, and, and we'll start right where you left off, and that was with body language. I don't know if I would necessary, necessarily characterize Aaron Rodgers as a poison to this team. Certainly right now, I don't think his body language and his attitude, at least from what we see on the field, is helping. I, I don't think that helps. I, I have seen Aaron Rodgers in the heat of battle, to use kind of a corny term, or, you know... It, as the clock is ticking down in the fourth quarter, be more intense and more competitive than any other athlete that I've ever watched in my life. I, I But for whatever reason, so far this season, it he hasn't looked like the same Aaron Rodgers. There's been no tempo. There's been no fire. There's been missed throws, and then hang your head up in the air and look up into the sky and then take a deep breath and, and take the entire play clock to get back up and snap the ball again. I Aaron Rodgers, and we talk about body language. I know it's cliche, but... Body language has been crap, John, and and I'm glad that you brought that up too. That kind of stuff rubs off on the rest of your team, especially when all of those players are going to have to work for contracts and then play their hardest to, to get paid. And Aaron Rodgers just made his, his third contract, made millions of guaranteed dollars, and the Packers are going to turn around in a month, John, and, and this is what's crazy at all, and not in a month, but in a couple of months more or less. And tell Randall Cobb they're going to give him the speech of, "Oh, Randall, we'd love to have you back, but we can't pay you. we can't pay you that much. You got to come back at a discounted rate. We'd love to have you." And Randall's going to say, "You gave number twelve Aaron Rodgers, who's one of my great friends, and I understand he's a tremendous generational player, and I agree the Packers are infinitely times better with Aaron Rodgers than they would be if they would trade him or do some of these things that have been discussed, especially by Packers fans the last couple of weeks. They're going to turn to Randall Cobb and say, "Well, we got to have you at a discount." Cobb's going to say. You gave Aaron Rodgers all that guaranteed money, and he half-assed the season, for lack of a better term. Actually, I think that's a pretty good term. I'm going to stay by that. His body language has been crap. He's moped around the field. He's not using good fundamentals. He's throwing off his back foot. He's throwing falling away, and he's not been accurate. I can deal with the accuracy issues because that's something that, if he's working hard enough, he can correct, right? He can correct those things with the help of of a good quarterback's coach or a good offensive coordinator. Which is why you should have hope for going going forward is that somebody can correct those things. I just don't know. Aaron Rodgers gave gave the impression yesterday that he didn't care. That he was perfectly fine losing to the Cardinals yesterday at home and really put the final nail in Mike McCarthy's coffin. Now, I, I never want to guess the the effort or the the motivation of an athlete because you just never know those things, right? But that's certainly what it looked like, and I heard a lot of analysts who thought the exact same thing. And, and John, to, to wrap up what you had to say, I completely agree. I thought everyone on that team showed up. When you saw Randall Cobb finally break through and make a big catch on third down that was, that was brought back by a holding penalty, there was some fire. I mean, he was fired up in a game that essentially didn't mean a whole lot. I, I know there was still a shot at the playoffs. I know there was. They were not mathematically eliminated. It, it was slim to none. It was a 10 to 12% chance, which has since obviously plummeted by a ton. There was still a chance, and you saw players like Randall Cobb getting hyped after big plays, and Jair Alexander getting hyped after big plays, whether it was the punt return or a play on defense. There were guys who came to play yesterday. This wasn't a team issue. I think it was number 12. Now, you can question what stems from number 12, but it didn't look like Aaron Rodgers really wanted to play for his head coach yesterday. I'm going to be completely honest. Go back to the five-star telecom talking text line, 608-796-2558, talking Mike McCarthy and all of the things that led up to the firing of Mike McCarthy yesterday. Caller, what do you got? 
I, I agree that they need to get rid of him. The uh, years of mediocrity have something to do with him, and they need to change. But I disagree with the glass caller on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers, over the years, has, has had a calming influence and a no-panic influence. And I think his demeanor is to play that way. I don't think he's a guy that gets overhyped up or down too low. And I think that's frustrating for people because you want to see him get a little you know, uh, crazy or a little excited. But I think as a quarterback, I think you've you got to play more even keel. And, and it may not be what people want to see, or they may want to see him yell at his players, but he realizes that uh, he can't do that as a leader, too. You can't just go out and start yelling at people. That's not the way that team's been made. And he's not going to pull a Des Bryant on somebody or anything like that to, to get him motivated. But uh, I do agree a little bit that I think by the second half or the end of the game, he had conceded the season. And that was probably more evident last week than this week just because they had too much of an uphill battle to try and come back and actually make the playoffs. There was no way they were going to win out. Yeah, well, I think that was the biggest question mark, and, and I appreciate the phone call and the perspective. The winning out might have been the hardest part, and I joked to my roommates earlier today. I said, watch, everything that needed to happen for the Packers to make the playoffs is going to happen, except for the Packers winning out. Um, now, I don't know the status of that. I, I wasn't really paying attention to the to the variables and what other teams were doing yesterday. It was m- more focused so on Mike McCarthy, especially after they lost. But I do think there's something to be said for a calming presence for somebody who's even keeled. I do think you have to find that balance of, you use the example of Des Bryant, um, being too fired up or a guy who I, I would claim that Aaron Rodgers was too calm yesterday. I'm all for being a calming presence. I'm all for being getting not high, not too high, not too low. I actually think Mike McCarthy was, was great at that. He was a guy who could be in the middle in the midst of a four and six season, say we're going to keep doing what we always do. We're, we're going to stick to our system because it's worked in the past. And I thought Mike McCarthy was a good exemplification, although in a coach, not in a player on the field, of that middle ground, right? Not getting too high, not getting too low. I thought Aaron Rodgers was too low yesterday. In his heart and in his mind, he can say, this season's over. I know we don't have the talent to get it done. That's 100% fine. But the optics yesterday were just horrible. He was 31 of 50. He threw 50 attempts yesterday for 233 yards. 233. I did the math. J.K. Scott had more combined yardage than Aaron Rodgers did yesterday. And I don't remember how how many punts J.K. Scott had, but it sure as hell wasn't 31. It sure as hell wasn't 50. It's embarrassing. I mean, I, I just thought he showed a real lack of effort yesterday. Now, I'm not going to claim that Aaron Rodgers was trying to get Mike McCarthy fired, but it sure as hell looked like it. And Aaron Rodgers is a smart enough guy to know that that's what it looked like, too. And that's what's frustrating, most of all. Packers now without a coach. There's some names out there. You guys got to help me make sense of them because there's a name from here, a name from there. Uh, for To use a, a crappy analogy, there's fruit on lots of different types of trees, and I, none of them look like they're very appetizing right now. So that's my analogy. We're going to continue and also continue to get your thoughts on the five-star telecom talk and text line when we come back on the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to WKTY. <laughs> This is Aaron Rodgers' 35th birthday today. Yeah, it is. That's right. So, uh, happy birthday, Aaron. You got, uh, you're 35 and your coach is fired. So, got to make you happy, I guess. Ooh, pretty strong words from Terry Bradshaw on the Fox postgame show yesterday following the Green Bay Packers loss to the 2-9, and nine, now 3-9, and nine, Arizona Cardinals. Mike McCarthy getting canned like you heard Terry Bradshaw talk about after yesterday's game. 
And like we wrapped up on the previous segment of the Wisco Sports Show, just a couple of minutes ago, I said, look, I'm not going to claim, I'm not going to accuse Aaron Rodgers of trying to get his coach fired because I'm not in his head. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't I don't know him. I'm not Aaron Rodgers. But one thing I will say is that's exactly what it looked like yesterday on the field. And Aaron Rodgers is a smart guy. He, that He's not dumb to that. He knows that that's what it looked like. So if he was worried about those optics in any sense, he would have played differently yesterday, and that's what's most frustrating of all. 608-796-2558, the five-star telecom talking text line if you want to get in on this. I uh, I want to talk a little bit less about Aaron Rodgers for a moment, a little bit less about yesterday's game, and look towards the future. Um, it, there have been some results, or not some results, some odds now put up by Odd Shark uh, from Las Vegas about who is the best odds to be the next Packers head coach. So I do want to get to that in a couple minutes. So if you're a betting man or a betting woman, which I really am not, uh, I'm, I'm not brave enough for that, but I'll, I'll share with share those with you. Vegas knows things. Vegas doesn't put out odds. Vegas doesn't do things without having a pretty sure bet on they can win, right? Vegas doesn't lose. Uh, so take it with a grain of salt, naturally, but Vegas is no slouch in the odds and the information that they put out. Yesterday, for those of you who didn't hear it, this is uh, Mark Murphy's statement that they released last night. After the firing of Coach Mike McCarthy, the 2018 season has not lived up to the expectations and standards of the Green Bay Packers. As a result, I made the difficult decision to relieve Mike McCarthy of his role as head coach effective immediately. Mike has been a terrific head coach and leader of the Packers for 13 seasons, during which time we gained a great deal of success on and off the field. We want to thank Mike, his wife Jessica, and the rest of the McCarthy family for all they have done for the Packers and the Green Bay or and Green Bay and Wisconsin communities. We will immediately begin the process of selecting the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. Now, here's my problem, not with the statement, but with obviously the next logical step of sports media and sports writing and sports radio, and that is who's going to be the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers? Who will it be? And let's play a guessing game. That's so tough right now. You don't know where coaches are going to be. You don't know college coaches' situations. And like I said, I made a really crappy analogy, but I think it it, it works. Right now, there's, there's a lot of coaches to be plucked off of trees and they're all on different kinds of trees like if you want it there's a there's a banana tree over there and it's all college coaches you want to grab a banana it's it's going to be a college coach banana you want to grab an apple okay there's a bunch of coordinators over there they're all apples you want to pick an apple what what do you want i mean you're, you're trying to select coaching prospects and talk about coaching prospects from all of these different bundles these different areas and there's no context there's nothing to go to right now there's nothing to go off which is why I don't really want to spend a whole hour talking about who do you think will be the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers I don't think that would make for a very entertaining or informative or purposeful show but what I will do is share just a couple of the names these are names that continue to pop up uh, in in multiple news sources I, I found a pretty good article yesterday from Zach Cruz of the Packers Wire and from USA Today being and I think this is the right approach, being as comprehensive as possible, saying, I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know who the most likely is. Now, Vegas has put that out. We'll get to that in a minute. I don't I don't know who the backs are going to pick, but I try to put every possibility on this list in hopes that maybe it's one of them. And if not, well, at least we get a good comprehensive look of the options. OK, so I, I handpicked a couple that I believe would be most likely. There's there's a couple of them that are real pipe dreams and a couple that I that I included on here. Then we can have a discussion about it as well. 608-796-2558, the five star telecom talking text line. You can also tweet at me at Keystroker Grant at the station at WKTY. Uh, the number one head coach possibility on this list, which I thought was really interesting, was uh, Matt LaFleur, the Titans offensive coordinator. Former quarterback, former quarterback's coach. He is about 40 years old, so only a couple of years older than Aaron Rodgers, which is a a factor in all of this. 
He's worked with Kyle Shanahan, worked with Sean McVay, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, and Jared Goff. The thing I don't get about it is he's he's an offensive coordinator. He's a, he is a former quarterback and a former quarterback's coach. Has anybody been impressed with what Marcus Mariota has done, what he's been putting on tape this year? I just... He's a guy like Jameis Winston. Now, I think he's more stable than Jameis Winston. I think he's less of an off-field distraction, and I think he's more consistent. But he's much like Jameis Winston in the fact that every year we're we're waiting for him to finally become the quarterback we once thought he was. Fantasy's a great example, right? All right, I'm going to draft Jameis Winston this year. He's finally busting out. And it, spoiler alert, it, it has not panned out. I've been that idiot to draft Jameis Winston before with high hopes. That's the one question mark I have. What? Why, with a guy as athletic as Marcus Mariota, with the running and the arm talent that he is, isn't he better? And the Titans' offense is is pretty prehistoric when you watch it. I, I I don't know. All of these coaches has question marks. That's part of the reason why I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into this. Uh, naturally, the Patriots' offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels has been a big name for just about every hire the last couple of years. But now, an opportunity to work with Aaron Rodgers to finally break away from Bill Belichick after he tried to go work with uh, Andrew Luck last year. He's got the quarterback. He's got the stable organization. Would Josh McDaniels make a jump? And would Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst be willing to essentially take a flyer on a guy who has left other organizations at the altar? Look no further than last year with the uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know. It also leaves the question marks regarding his last tenure in Denver. He was obviously awful, uh, and he went running back to New England. Not a not a not a sure thing here with any of these candidates. Uh, Lincoln Riley's name has obviously been thrown around. One of the biggest names in in college football, and possibly the best offensive mind in college football. Made Baker Mayfield, and now he's obviously doing tremendous things with Kyler Murray. And for anybody who watched that Oklahoma game this weekend, I mean, they, they just know what they're doing on offense. Could he be lured away from Oklahoma? The other question would be, when was the last time you ripped a, a college coach right from the college ranks and had him be really good right away? Maybe Chip Kelly, but that wasn't sustained, and, and I think that was a product of other things, uh, like his scheme and, and like how he was such a front runner at the time. You don't see college coaches immediately have success in terms of winning Super Bowls, and that's essentially what the Packers are looking for here. Uh, the Saints offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael, keeps popping up. He's been under Sean Payton for a long time. Uh, he obviously, has helped maximize Drew Brees. Now, the question I have is, obviously, Sean Payton calls the plays. Pete Carmichael's not doing the play calling. I, I don't... I'm reluctant because most of these hires, you are obviously looking at a guy who doesn't have head coaching experience, and learning to be a head coach is enough. Learning to do so while calling plays for the first time, at least in any substantial amount, is is a tall task. And, and that's something that, if nothing else, needs to be looked at twice. I'm not saying that's a deal breaker, but needs to be looked at twice. Uh, one that I heard earlier is specifically Aaron Nagler talking about, and this is, I think, a part of some forward thinking by other teams in the league as well. Zach Taylor, the quarterback coach for Jared Goff and, and under Sean McVay in Los Angeles. <sighs> He could be, to, to go along with the fruit analogy, he could be the first piece of fruit that's going to get picked off the Sean McVay tree. You look at any successful head coach, uh, Andy Reid is a great example, uh, Mike Sherman was a great example, obviously, and then Bill Belichick. Now, as a coach continues to have sustained success, people are going to try to poach coaches and coordinators away from his staff in hoping of recreating something similar to the organization of what the Patriots or the Packers or the Chiefs or the Eagles had under Andy Reid. So that might be the first domino to fall if Sean McVay can continue to sustain success and continue to do what he's doing. Zach Taylor might be the first guy who gets plucked off that tree. Do the Packers want to be the first guy to take a flyer off a a coach off that tree? Because some coaching trees have been more successful than others. I mean, look at Mike Sherman and Andy Reid. Now compare that to Bill Belichick. Hasn't had a whole lot of success off of that tree, which is another 
big red flag on Josh McDaniels. Now, that being said, I, I did mention that Las Vegas put out the odds for the next head coach of the Green Bay Packers. This is through, uh, through Bovada, actually. Doesn't seem to be affecting uh, the odds for, for Bovada. Josh McDaniels is number one at plus 70, followed by Lincoln Riley at plus 275. Then it gets a little bit interesting. John Filippo, the offensive coordinator of the Vikings, which I think is, is interesting. I think the Vikings have looked very good at times. I think that makes sense. I just don't know how the, how the details of that would get worked out. Uh, Pete Carmichael, like we talked about, at plus 1,500. Lafleur is on there as well. Zach Taylor at about plus 1,500. Uh, down towards the bottom, you have Freddie Kitchens, who's the offensive coordinator in Cleveland, which I kind of thought was funny. Uh, Jet Tedford at plus 2,500. And Gary Kubiak at plus 5,000. Um, some interesting names on there as well. Like I said, if you asked me, McDaniels and Riley or the field, I would take the field. Naturally, I, I don't know if I think it's going to be somebody who nobody's thinking of. I, I really do. And that's obviously months off, which is why I only wanted to spend a couple of minutes on it today uh, to kind of familiarize ourselves with probably some of the names and, and some of the coaches that are going to be talked about heavily, not only by Packers media, but by the rest of the NFL. I mean, coaching vacancies are a big deal uh, and, and something that demands attention and demands to be talked about as well. I will say one thing before we we close off on potential head coach talk. The, the theme throughout the last couple of years, specifically with the Bears now and, and some other teams around, they hired Matt Nagy, obviously. The emphasis has become, we need a young offensive mind, somebody who's creative, somebody who's innovative, who can take the next step in, in how they manage offenses. Nobody was talking about that three years ago. Nobody was talking like that three years ago. And I, I just, I want to put a disclaimer on the Packers perspective head coaching talk by saying... Think back before Sean McVay was hired, okay? Nobody was talking about creativity, in innovativeness, or innovativity, whatever that word may be. <laughs> Nobody was thinking young, innovative, electric. Nobody was thinking that until Sean McVay. So I want to I caution, and I want to put a little disclaimer on the fact that let's say Sean McVay never happened. Let's say Sean McVay was never hired. He doesn't exist. Are we still talking about hiring new head coaches in the same way that we were three or four years ago, or we would be now if Sean McVay... And when Sean McVay did what he did in Los Angeles, I think the coaching search talk might be a little bit more balanced. And I'm of the belief that Sean McVay is a little bit more of the outlier than the norm. Now, obviously, it looks like the Bears have struck gold with Matt Nagy using that forward way of thinking in terms of young, innovative offense. Let's not get caught up in in forcing our thought to be the Packers need to get a Sean McVay or a Matt Nagy. It's a nice thought. And if it works out, it works out. But there's other avenues of success. A defensive-minded head coach, a former coordinator, a guy who's been around the league a while and command. I mean, look at what Wade Phillips is doing. Obviously, he's not a head coach, but he has enjoyed his fair share of success ever since leaving Dallas about 10 years ago. Open up your mind. Think about different avenues, different paths that the Packers might take, and not just focus on being young and being innovative. Uh, when we come back, I do want to put a capstone on the Mike McCarthy firing. And we're going to be talking about this isn't going anywhere. We're you know, talking about this all week long, both on David Scrady and on Bill Michaels and on my show the rest of the week as well here on the Wisco Sports Show. One thing I will say, there's a couple little random tidbits I want to take away from yesterday. Uh, we'll get back to the Five Star Telecom talking text line as well. Take your thoughts to wrap up the show here in a couple minutes. we got to take a break. We'll be right back on the Wisco Sports Show. You're listening to WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. It is a Mike McCarthy Monday. Actually, that's a pretty good ring. Mike McCarthy Monday here on the Wisco Sports Show. He was relieved of his coaching duties yesterday after their embarrassing and ugly loss to the Arizona Cardinals, who had not won in Wisconsin in, uh, well, 
ever. So so take take that with what you will. I do want to go back to the five star telecom talking text line. We got to talk to Nate in lacrosse. Nate, I know you got some good stuff as always. What are your thoughts? You you specifically said you want to talk about the Sean McVay effect, as you said. I'm excited to hear this. What what do you what do you got? Well, I don't know if you saw the Yahoo report that came out today about Josh McDaniels being maybe not the top candidate, but a top candidate yeah. for the Packers head coaching job. And there was, there was a line in there that really stood out to me where they said that, according to some reports, there are some college coaches currently who are now turning down other college offers or they're not going to be looking at college offers in hopes of following McDaniels to, uh, to Green Bay if he does take the job. I don't know if he touched on that earlier in the show or not or if he even saw that, but I just think that's something that's, that's really telling. And I think... Josh McDaniels as the next Packers head coach is something that we're going to see or hear more of in the coming weeks or the oh, coming yeah. months. And I'm starting to believe that it could be a very legitimate possibility. But where I think the whole the whole Sean McVay effect, as you were saying earlier, kind of comes into play is, you know, I agree. I think people are looking at these offenses, specifically in Los Angeles, and they're seeing what McVay has done. And I think that's kind of why a guy like Lincoln Riley has become so such a big uh, commodity, or Cliff Kingsbury, if he doesn't decide to go to USC. But the thing to me that stands out stands out about McDaniel's is, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the perception I have of him isn't what most NFL ha- NFL fans have of him. Okay, but to me, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's very innovative. He's just the kind of guy. When I think of the Patriots' offense, I think of efficiency. Like, look at all the weapons they got. I mean, obviously you've got Brady and Gronk. But Edelman's a pretty good receiver. Chris Hogan has proven to be, you know, pretty uh, pretty reliable. Josh Gordon has been pretty good. James White out of the backfield. To me, McDaniel's. It seems like he knows how to use the pieces that he's got and use them effectively. And I don't know how much of that is talent, how much of that is scheme and coaching. But to me, that's what stands out to me about McDaniel's. He's not so innovative as he is just effective. And I think, yeah, in a way, maybe that kind of plays a role with why teams like him, but I don't necessarily think he's got the the Sean McVay vibe that it's going to revolutionize offenses. And I don't know how you think about it, but those are just kind of my quick thoughts on Josh McDaniels as the potential head coach. Yeah, and Nate, thank you. And I, I couldn't agree more, and I'm glad you actually said it, because right before we went to the last break, I don't know if you heard, we I was saying let's think about other avenues. We don't have to get caught up in innovative offenses and, and cutting edge things and, and being creative, you know, there's there's multiple ways, obviously, to skin a cat, right? How many times have we heard that in our lives? Sean McDaniels, or not Sean McDaniels, but Josh McDaniels, rather, other than Sean McVay, has been known for consistency year after year after year. They, they might have a rough game here and there, a rough two or three games, but come this time of year, they know what they are, they do the same thing, no matter what players they have, and I think part of that is attractive to a team like Green Bay, who I think they have pretty good personnel. Now, the right side of the offensive line is a question mark, and they do need to find a, a number two wide receiver, I think, to, to pair alongside Devontae Adams, especially because I don't think Randall Cobb is coming back. But there is part of that consistency in, in knowing that, hey, we don't have to reinvent the wheel to be successful. We can get a guy who comes in and, and takes the pieces that we have and, and makes something out of it and doesn't have to rely on coming up with the next type of offense, a la Sean McVay or Matt Nagy or even Doug Peterson, who doesn't really fit the mold of a young, innovative coach, but is one on paper. 
I think that's interesting. And, I, and Nate, that was a, a fantastic call to wrap up the show. So I thank you for, for calling in and, and sharing your thoughts. Uh, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. Uh, the show is coming to a quick end. I wish we had more time today. Don't forget to be tuning in to Dave and Scrady tomorrow morning. Uh, and, and they're going to continue to break this down. I'll be joining them around 830 for just a couple of minutes uh, to share. They asked me, Dave asked me this afternoon to Get a pulse, take a pulse of the people, which I feel like we have. We've, we've got a good amount of interaction today and, and discussion about not only coaching, possible coaching candidates, but maybe why the Packers are in this situation as a whole, especially regarding Aaron Rodgers, and report back to them so they can know. Because apparently, it's just too difficult to listen to the show. So I will report what we have discussed and what we have come to consensus here on the Wisco Sports Show tomorrow on Dave and Scrady. Uh, so make sure you're tuning in. Something that I saw yesterday, speaking of Dave and Scrady, is Scrady is constantly active on Facebook and Twitter. If you follow him, you will know that he has been saying, ha ha, Clinton Dix would have made that play, would have made this play, would have done that. And up until this point, I, I really haven't been with Scrady. I'm like, I, I don't, they didn't get better by getting rid of Clinton Dix, but I don't think they got a whole lot worse. Yesterday, they got worse. If Clinton Dix is on the field instead of Pleasant, whatever his first name is, I, I don't intend to remember his name <laughs> past this week. If ha ha, Clinton Dix was on the field, I think he makes that pick, and I think that leads to the Packers winning. I don't think that really impacts the the course of the season, other than Mike McCarthy possibly hanging around a couple more weeks. I, I really didn't think it made a difference. Yesterday, Scrady was correct. I told him yesterday, and he, I don't know if he took offense or or what his thought was. He was like, well, wait a minute. If I was correct yesterday, what has the rest of the season post-trade deadline been like? And I, well... You know, maybe there's a little tension on David Scrady tomorrow morning. Tune in uh, to check it out. One other thing you may have also missed was Zimmer, of course, uh, in Mike Zimmer fashion, had to comment about the uh, the the Packers firing Mike McCarthy after their Sunday night loss last night in Foxborough. Look, part of being the Wisco Sports Show is not only balanced takes and unbiased takes towards our Wisconsin sports teams. I'd like to think that we're not homers on the show. I'd like to think we have pretty good perspective. But it's also, every once in a while, just taking a little bit of dump on the teams from across the river or to the south in Chicago. And and something I noticed yesterday, Zimmer, they actually asked him about Mike McCarthy in his press conference following the loss. I'm actually surprised he answered it um, instead of saying that, you know, something like, that doesn't involve us, that doesn't concern me. But he did answer. This is what Coach Zimmer had to say. No, I didn't even know about it until then. I think it's sad. It's a sad deal. Uh, Mike McCarthy's a a good football coach. I think it's a mistake and uh, just one man's opinion. Just one man's opinion. Okay, if you're a Vikings fan uh, who is listening and you didn't tune out before I, I started to <laughs> to throw some shade at the Vikings, this is this is my opinion, Mike Zimmer. I actually, I, I hate Mike Zimmer. I think he's a really good coach. His press conferences, more than anything, drive me nuts because he is that guy. We all know somebody like this. If you grew up in a neighborhood, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the old retired couple whose kids have moved out of the house, and it's the old man who, who, when you talk to him and when you have a conversation, is the sweetest old man, maybe about 70 years old, right? Lives right down the road. You know, sweetest old couple. You know, he likes to mow his lawn, likes to, to do, you know, retired man things. And in front of the kids and when you're talking to him, he's just a wonderful, wonderful, sweet man. But then you don't you don't see it, but he's got just an anger issue, right? He is just a nasty man. And when, when the kids are playing, you know, with their sidewalk chalk out in the driveway and that old sweet neighbor's working in his garage next door and he drops a wrench on his toe, then 30 F-bombs come flying out, and, you know, the parents go, all right, kids, let's come inside. You don't need to hear, you know, crazy old man next door swearing. That's Mike Zimmer to me. That, that That's who Mike Zimmer is. And in his press conference, it's always like, oh, no, I think they, I think they should trade Aaron Rodgers. I, I hate him. And everyone's, ha, 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 sweet old man. No, that man's a jerk. I know. He, he has to just be, an, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Look, his personality, he's just got to be nasty. And, and I feel like we all know somebody like that who, who, at their face is that sweet old man, but underneath, man, he's got a swearing habit, 
loves to drink whiskey right out of the bottle. We all know someone like that. And maybe maybe we can take solace in the fact that Mike Zimmer is, in one sense, the everyman. But I can't stand him, uh, especially when he when he feels the need to comment on everything in almost a Belichickian way. By the way, uh, my word is gospel, and, and I'm going to say it plainly so. And if you disagree, you're stupid or you're asking a stupid question. By the way, Vikings, one game over 500. One game over 500. And as I... Don't like to bring up because it makes me sound petty. Vikings should very well be a 500 team because of that debacle in week two with the Green Bay Packers. So if there is a high horse and Mike Zimmer is riding it, maybe it's time to climb down pretty soon. And if you're a Vikings fan, sorry, every once in a while, just got to take a little dump on the purple and gold team from across the river. Uh, Make sure you're coming back tomorrow. We're going to continue to break down. Uh, Mike McCarthy talk as he was relieved. One of the first Packers coaches ever uh, to be relieved in the middle of a season. So we're going to talk about that. Bart Winkler from the fan down in Milwaukee will join us about half past five tomorrow. So I always look forward to that conversation uh, and and see what he has to say. And we're going to continue to talk about Aaron Rodgers, too, because he's not exempt in all this. I know we were focusing on the coaching position today and, and what they might do going forward. But there's some question marks about number 12, especially with how much money they paid him. So I want to talk about that tomorrow, too. I'll be on Dave and Scrady tomorrow morning. Make sure you catch that. Bill Ryder in next. Same time, same place tomorrow. I'll talk to you then.